Joel, Nathan, thank you. Everybody else, thank you. <laughs> Why not, right? Hey, national holiday today, yes? <laughs> Some of you are... Okay, okay, without looking at your clock, how long till kickoff? What? Well, that's, you guys are all here. All the people online, they're like, it's four and a half hours. <laughs> Whatever it is. For, for those that are here, thank you for putting in your, uh, your chicken wings on the oven timer so that they're ready by kickoff. And for those that are watching online, keep stirring the queso. All right, we're going to do something slightly different because I know at least some of us are thinking about the game. We're going to try and engage a little bit first. I'm not going to sit the whole time, but we're going to try and uh, talk back and forth to each other and also engage in God's Word. I love that song that we just sang, Word of God Speak, because it does uh, every time we open it. So I'm going to say something that you guys will have heard some sort of variation on over many, many years because your parents probably said it before. Who you hang out with affects who you are. Yeah, all y'all are like, yep. Okay, if you'd said amen, I would have gone home. <laughs> Just saying. But if you say, <laughs> nice try. Next time it's not going to work. Who you hang out with affects who you are. I want you guys to think of one person that you have been around at some point in your life that has affected you in some way, okay? Or maybe some way you have affected somebody else. All right, we're actually going to share these. If you are watching online, I believe there's a number up on the screen. Yep, go ahead and text into that number. I just want the name of somebody who has affected you and maybe very briefly how they have affected you or vice versa, right, how you have affected somebody else. Let me tell you a story. Take a look at this picture. All right? Now, my kids have affected me, Okay? They're both way taller than this right now, if just clarifying. Over the years, my kids have affected me in a lot of different ways, and I have affected them as well. There are many a theme park a family photo or, or some of the people are taking selfies where James is in the background. I don't know where Sam learned it from. Okay, but then the other little fella next to me. If we were to zoom out on that picture, you'd see he has the exact same outfit on. Black pants, white shirt, black tie. It's evident that I had some sort of effect on him, right? Yes, okay, but I learned even more so, more than just like, I want to look like that on a Sunday morning wore a tie. Several years ago, he went through this phase where he's taking a long time getting ready for, uh, for like the next day. You know, this isn't just your normal um, dragging and, you know, being... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, slow to get ready for bed. This is, there was more to it. He would brush his teeth slow. He would say goodnight to his brother slow, to his mom slow, to me slow. And then he would take forever picking out his clothes for the next day. And it, this went on for a while, and it got my blood boiling, right? And after about a week of me coming into my, our bedroom just, like, seething, Abby looks at me and in the most wonderful way says, James, you ever thought about how long you take to get ready? Oh, it's not the same, I said. <laughs> no, I have to grind the coffee beans. I have to put them in the coffee maker. I have to add the water. I have to make sure the timer's set. 
I have to make my breakfast smoothie and my lunch smoothie. I have to put them in the front of the fridge where I don't see them the next, where I won't forget them the next day. I put my keys next to them so I can't drive off without them. I said, I have to pick out what I'm wearing the next day. Not, not just one outfit. I have to pick out my workout clothes and put them in a bag. I have to put my, my work clothes in another bag. And then I have to put a third pair of clothes just in case I spill on either of those first pair of clothes. That night, I paid attention to how long it took me to get ready for bed. 45 minutes. Had a lot more grace for JJ after that. <laughs> Just a couple of years ago, maybe even like within the last year, I, I, I still get up at oh dark 30, so I'm the only one in the house and it's pretty quiet. And I, I started seeing notes on the counter, but not notes, checklists, okay? In JJ's handwriting, don't forget to do this, you know, bring this. You know, a nice little checklist. And those notes in his handwriting were right next to the notes in my handwriting. I've affected him, right? And it's not just my effect on, on them. I've been affected by other people as well. When I preach, you may have noticed that, if you don't know, I've got my, my message in my Bible with me. I learned that from Ron Miller. Years and years ago, I watched him do that, and I adopted that style because um, he rubbed off on me. Same with, uh, same with my grandpa. Um, he was a longtime pastor, and I didn't know it when I was younger because I would have never thought that I'd end up here. But I watched as he preached and he, oh, he engaged with his people. And there was just so much love in his eyes and, and some of his intonations and his wordings and things. And now my mom, who watches and listens very regularly, hi, mom, okay, uh, she will tell me that I sound like my grandpa, that I have some of the same mannerisms. And so he rubbed off on me. Okay, so you see where I'm getting at. There, there's times that we rub off on people and other people rub off on us. They affect us. So I've been getting a few texts from online. Um, wow, a lot of texts. This is awesome. How do I open this? Um, while I'm figuring out how I open this, somebody tell me one person who has affected you and how. Keep it short, otherwise we will be here till halftime, and I want to be at home for the halftime show. It's going to be good. Okay. Anybody, raise your hand, somebody who's affected you, and how? Tim, I'm going to call on you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Uh, Wayne Gander. How? Um, it, most of the time when people ask me, how are you, I respond, better than I deserve. And I got told that I must be a fan of some guy on the radio, and I didn't get it from him. I got it from Wayne. And he, he and I talked about it one day, and what it really meant. Yeah, I remember Wayne. I remember him saying that. Uh, he said that regularly. Yeah, he would say much better than I deserve. So he affected you. Good. Thank you. Somebody else. One other person. Oh, I got two hands raised. I'm going to go Susan and then Melody. Very good. Your mother. That's good. And we grieve with you and celebrate with you your mom's passing recently. We're praying for you. Melody? Well, Jerry Prophet, because he was the leader of our youth group when I was a teenager and um, still trying to make God a priority in my life. Okay, good. Jerry Prophet, who was a uh, youth leader. Um, somebody online said uh, Amanda affects her because uh, she has rubbed off the desire for approval from others and how to seek that or not seek that. Um, somebody else says, Tim Scully. Was that a plant? 
Somebody say, you affect them. Christy. <laughs> Brings a little bit of practicality to the, her chaos. All right, awesome. Eric uh, says that Jim, former youth pastor, um, used to uh, affects him. Um, the ways he uh, works in the morning with prayer, with scripture reading. Um, oh, there's more. Wow. Thank you guys online for participating. This is great. Um, Raja Tanas. Wow, a professor. That's good. Opened his thinking to social, opened his mind to sociological thinking. Um, Frank, thank you, Frank. Michael has helped clarify some of the basis for your faith. Um, oh, that's nice. There's a whole slew of them. I'm going to read these. I can't read all these. Um, wow. Wait, hey, way to put a shout out to Christy back, Tim. I can't read that one. <laughs> we get affected by other people. Um, oh, wow. You guys are going to miss out not reading those. I apologize. Um, they won't be online because it's just to my phone. I could pass them on. We'll see. Who you're around affects who you are. Amen? That sounds like, can we go home? <laughs> Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this gathered community. Thank you that we can laugh together, sing together, pray together. Uh, thank you that there are people within our midst who have affected us. Thank you that there are people who have gone before us that have affected us. Um, Lord, we are, uh, we are grateful for the ways that both we rub off on people and other people rub off on us. I pray, Lord, that this morning as we open your story, that you will allow us to see how you are desiring to do the same thing for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're in a sermon series titled, Not Your Normal Dear John Letters. This has been our logo or our, our, our picture for it. In a normal Dear John letter, um, somebody writes to somebody else ending the relationship. Correct? Correct. So we've been seeing in these letters so far that this is not your normal Dear John letter because John, the author, has been writing to this church in Ephesus saying, we're not ending the relationship. Don't leave. Stay here. And in today's text, he doesn't say it exactly like this, but he says, the more you're around somebody, the more they affect you. So keep staying around somebody. Our text today is 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, if you can turn there really quick, do so. If not, you can just listen as I read it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. Chapter 3, verse 1. See how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children, because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Verse 4. Everyone who sins is breaking God's laws, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. There is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. 
But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Verse 7. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning, because they are children of God. So now we can tell who who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love others does not belong to God. That is the word of the Lord this morning. Somebody just say, wow. There's a lot in there. We could spend two months, two different, like two months worth of sermons in there. Talking about preparing for Jesus' return, living righteously, purity, sin, defined, explained, conquered, hanging out with the devil. We, we seriously could do two months worth of sermons. But what I kept coming back to this, this past week as I studied was John pointing out who we're around and how that affects us. This started in verse 28. I'll read from the screen in the English Standard Version. John writes, and now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Who were around? Read the underlined word really, really loud on three. One, two, three. Was that was loud? Let's try it again. Really loud on three. One, two, three. Abide. This abide is a great word. It is a fantastic word in the Greek. The word is meno. It means to be present, to continue, to last, to endure, to tarry, not to depart, to stay as one. That does not sound like a Dear John letter where it's like, go on, get out of here. It sounds like, no, stay here. Abide is a great word. It's used 36 times uh, in the Old Testament and New Testament. And 27 of those times, Christy, we're going to do the math here in a second, 27 of those times are used in John's writing. What's the percentage of that? 75%. 75%. You beat her to it. 75% of the times that abide is used in Scripture, John is writing it. Now, the times we most are, we're most, common, like most familiar with is John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. He says it multiple times that Jesus says that in that text. Abiding, it's a beautiful word. Think back over the last week, how many of you used that word in a sentence? I mean, come on, Joel did. (laughs) Joel calls up his best friend and says, I haven't talked to you in a while, we need to abide. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Hello? Kids, I don't see any high schoolers in here, but if, if you, yeah, you, you got a group project at school and you know you need to spend time together to make sure you're on the same page, did you write, hey, let's abide together? Oh, it's a beautiful word, but I think we can simplify it. Oh, there's our high schooler. Do you say that? Not our only high schooler. If you're watching online, we actually have several. <laughs> Do you say abide to your friends, Esri? No. Let's see if we can simplify this. In a different translation, New Living Translation, the word reads like this. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns... How many of you used fellowship in a sentence in the last week? It's okay if you have. Okay, if you have. Thank you. Elena? That's good. Elena's a chaplain, so she uses those types of words on a regular basis. (laughs) 
All right, let's try a different translation. The message translation says this. And now, dear children, stay with Christ. Live deeply with Christ. We're getting there. Getting closer to the language we use today. How about this? Hang out with. Be around. Be near somebody so much that it affects you. Be near Jesus so much that he changes you. That's what John is saying. Be near him so much that he changes you. And we see this in verse 2 of chapter 3. John says, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. We will be like him, or in the message, in seeing him, we become like him. This sounds a little bit like what the Apostle Paul wrote to one of the churches that he wrote to, a second letter to the church in Corinth. He says this in chapter 3, verse 18. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us, catch this, more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. I jump back to our passage, but we know that we will be like him. The more you're around somebody, the more they affect you, the more you affect them. So according to this passage, what is it about Jesus that affects us? What parts of him rub off on us? We could look at several different things. We could, we could look at his righteousness. Here's verse 29 of chapter 2. So we know, since we know that Christ is righteous... We also know that all who do what is right are God's children. I mean, essentially, we're saying, look, if we're hanging out with Christ because we're God's children, we will be righteous like Christ. We could look at righteousness. We could also look at Christ's purity. Verse 3 of chapter 3. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Now, we know that our purity comes from Christ. And Christ in the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to see God. Jesus sees God. I want Jesus' purity in my life. We could spend time talking about that. But where John focuses today is in another area. Sin. <gasps> I said the S word. I said sin. Or Jesus' lack thereof. Chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all, who, for all sin, excuse me, is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and that there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Now, that last verse really was the kicker in this section. Verse 6, anyone who continues to live in him, the word is abide. Anyone who continues to hang around, to be near continually, to abide in him, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. Take a big swallow. Mm. If we're around Jesus, it'll affect the way we think. The way we interact with other people, the way we love, the way we live, the way we sin or not sinning. So is John really saying that if we're abiding in Christ, if we're living our lives fully with him, that we will stop sinning? Yes and no. Yes and no. If you recall a couple of sermons back, John chapter 2, verse 1, John said something very similar. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. And then he goes on, but if you sin, we have an advocate. And we remember that a couple of weeks back I said that if could also very accurately be translated as when. But when we sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ. So we go back to verse 6, and it says, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So to sin or not to sin, that is the question. You knew that was coming. I saw it in Merle's eyes. He's like, I know it. I know it. To sin or not to sin, that is the question. If John were here, I would shake him and say, you hung out with Jesus for over three years. Make this more clear, please. What are you trying to say? I'm going to say something. I want you to say amen after it, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying it. If we're hanging out with Jesus deeply, continually, Jesus will affect us. Amen. He will. He will rub off on us. As it said earlier in the text, we will be like him. Since Jesus didn't, doesn't, won't, and will not sin, the more we're around him, the more that should look like us. Right? Yes. So as I'm reading this passage this past week, there's just this unsettled in me. There's this squirming in me because I try and hang out with Jesus very regularly, and yet I still sin. Oh, it's unsettled. So Am I not hanging out with him enough? Is my abiding somehow faulty? Do I need to work harder at being with so I can be better, act better, talk better, think better, so that if I abide, I will not sin? You talk about a high standard. All right, I'm going to have you raise your hands on this one. If you have sinned, (laughs) people are like, please don't make me raise my hand. If you have sinned sometime between yesterday and a year ago today, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, if you're not sinning, you're lying, which means you need to raise your hand. Well, you put your hands down too quick. Does that, thank you, Merle, got his hand right back up. We all raised our hands, so does that mean you guys aren't hanging out with Jesus enough? Does that mean your abiding is faulty? That's harsh. It becomes a little less harsh when we dig a little deeper into the rest of this verse. Still in verse 6, okay? Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. One of the things I like doing is when when I see a phrase, I I get out like six or seven different translations, and I see how different translators have, have said that. So this idea of keep on sinning, that's the New Living Translation. Continues to sin is what the NIV says. Whosoever sinneth. That's the King James. That's a good version. Okay? Sins continually, New American Standard, makes a practice of sinning. This is crazy. That's the English standard, which is a word-for-word translation, and the message, which is a thought-by-thought translation, okay? Makes a practice of sinning. This phrase is used in chapter 3, verse 6, verse 8, and verse 9 twice. Anytime something is repeated in Scripture, pay attention, okay? Pay attention. The, the, The verb to sin is in the present tense. If you don't know Greek, you wouldn't know that. I don't know Greek, but my commentary told me that. Okay, it's in the present tense, which means it indicates a continuous, constant, habitual action. 
Thank you, William Barclay, page 95, 96, if you want to go back and check that. Okay? To sin means a continuous, constant, habitual action. John has a very strong view of sin. He knows that Jesus didn't, and he knows that the more we abide, the more we hang out with, the more deeply we dwell with Jesus, our life will be affected, and our sin will be lessened to some degree. What John is saying here is that the more we're around, the less our habitual sin will drive us. Okay? Through the Holy Spirit who gives us new life, it's not that our sin will stop forever, that every sin will stop. We're working towards that. The Holy Spirit is working towards that. It's called sanctification, okay? But the evidence of us hanging out with Jesus is that our old habitual sins, our repetitive sins will lessen or stop the more we abide with Christ. That's powerful. The habitual sins that drove us for so long will lessen or stop the more we hang out with Christ. Let me put this in a musical language, okay? Tim will appreciate this. Our song has changed. When we begin to follow Christ, when we are living deeply with him, our song has changed. The music of our life has changed. The score is different, not the score of the game, the, score, the, the sheet music in front of us is different. And yes, there are times, all you musicians out there, that you will still accidentally play the wrong notes in this new piece of music, but you're not going to try and play those wrong notes every single time, right? You're going to try and correct them. So the song of our life has changed the more we abide in Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. Apparently, the people who left the church in Ephesus, who I've mentioned many times before, were trying to tell the people who stayed in the church in Ephesus that, hey, you're following Jesus, your life doesn't have to look any different. Because John says in verse 7, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this, what he just wrote. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let them tell you different. If you're following Jesus, abiding in Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, your life will change. Now, if you thought I was harsh a couple of minutes ago by saying that you're not hanging out with Jesus enough, listen to what John says. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. This is verse 7. When people do what is right, it shows that they're righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, there's that, that habitual sin, okay? It shows that they belong to the devil. Oh. It shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, that continual, habitual, repetitive sin, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. John is saying to the people in Ephesus, who are you hanging out with, Jesus or the other guy? I don't want to say this, but maybe we should ask ourselves that same question. I mean, if there's habitual sin in our lives, and we can get trapped in it, we can. Okay, we can. But if there's habitual sin in our lives, maybe we need to ask ourselves, who are we hanging out with? Jesus or the other guy? I tell you what, I want to hang out with. I want to live deeply with Jesus. I want my life to look like his. 
I know that I've rubbed off on my sons because I can see it in tangible ways. I want Jesus to rub off on me. So we're going to ask another question. Okay, and I want you guys to plan on responding. Online, go ahead and text into that same number. Um, I'm just going to take, you know, yeah, okay? So around the turn of the year, there's always this meme that pops up on social media that says something like this. There's a little picture of it up there. If you can't read it, it says, This year I want to be more like Jesus. Hang out with sinners. Upset religious people. Tell stories that make people think. Choose unpopular friends. Be kind, loving, and merciful. And take naps on boats. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) What is it in Jesus that you want to see in your life? What do you want, what do you see in him that you want to affect your life, to rub off in your life? I'm going to give you a second to think about it. It gives our online uh, congregation a chance to text into that number. Uh, for me, there's so many things, right? But for me, one of the things I really like about Jesus is that he answers people's questions with a question. It's so easy for us when someone comes and asks us a question, if we know the answer, just to give them the answer. Right, But, oh, I love how he almost always responds back with a question because they get to then figure it out and they own it. I want to be able to do that more. So if I do that to you, it's not because I'm just trying to be ornery. It's because I'm trying to be a little bit more like Jesus in a very practical, tangible way. All right? So what is it about Jesus that you want to rub off on you? Legitimate question. Yes, Terry. To see, to see others through his eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else. Yes, Helen. To not judge. To not judge. Very good. Very good. Anybody else? Yes? A passion for the lost. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, To be able to to love who we are. Jesus loved who he was. He wasn't ashamed of who he was. Some of the online said they want to copy his love for others. Anybody else? Stand up for the marginalized. Yeah. My goodness, there is so much about Jesus, that we ought to look and say, I hope that ties into me. Yes, Miss Marlene. Yeah, you're getting ready to go to the Jewish nation for missions, so you want to have a heart to even the Jewish people, which Jesus had a heart for his own people. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Man, this ought, to be our, this ought to be our driving, just a, a driving part of all of our days, right? To become more like Jesus. So how do we do that? <laughs> I was riding with a friend of mine last night from the Gonzaga game, and he was asking me uh, what I was preaching on today, and I told him the driving home point was going to be we, we want Jesus to rub off on us, so we want to hang out with him. And, and he said, oh, you're going to give him some creative ways? He said, you're just going to tell him to go read the Bible. I 
I got it written down. <laughs> the young, go read your Bible. Okay? Now, in all seriousness, one of the most practical ways I've seen to hang out with Jesus is there's this guy named John who writes letters to a church in Ephesus, also writes the life story of Jesus called the Gospel of John, and I would encourage you to go read it. Don't just read it for, like, information's sake. Put yourself into the story, okay? Strap up your Birkenstocks, walk the dusty roads with Jesus, and feel. Like, you know, I'm not saying be Jesus in this story, but be one of the disciples. Be one of the, be one of the people who are watching, okay? There, that's one way. So, Chris, if you're watching, yes, read your Bible. <laughs> but there's other ways, Okay? Find someone who you know has been following Jesus for a long time and their life looks like Jesus and go and talk to them. Say, hey, I see this in you. How did you get to this point? And then listen. In a sense, you're hanging out with someone who's been hanging out with Jesus. I have a best friend named Google. Okay? So I kid you not, this morning as I'm sitting in my polka dot chair getting ready, I'm like, got to think of creative ways to hang out with Jesus. So I typed in how do I hang out with Jesus? I'm not going to tell you the answer. Just go do it yourself. <laughs> there are lots of ways. Not just the traditional ways. Traditional ways are great. But we, we need to be around Jesus more. Why? Because the people we're around affects who we are. And I want to be like Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? So here's my challenge, okay? Hang out with Jesus a little bit more this week. I don't care how. Just try it. Because can you imagine what would happen if our church, both our online congregation and our in-person congregation, this week was even more purposeful than you already are. I'm not claiming that you, that you aren't, but even maybe a step or two more purposeful this week. I, I bet we interact with a lot of people, and if they get to see the Jesus in us, praise God for that. Amen? Amen. Tim, team, come on up. Let me pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for being willing to hang out with us. Oh, that just blows my mind that you as God would choose to come to, to become one of us, not just to wrap yourself in flesh as, as a facade, but to become one of us so that you could walk dusty roads in Galilee with not just 12 guys, but with countless people so they could see you, interact with you, hang out with you. Lord, I love to think of the, the things that aren't written down in Scripture, that the disciples got to experience, the times when you guys were telling jokes on the road to wherever, and, and some people got them, some people didn't, the times when they got to see your heart for others that maybe they hadn't experienced before. Lord, I pray this week as we are trying to hang out more with you, in whatever creative ways we're trying to do that with, I pray that we would not just see with our, 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 our eyes and our, our, our head, but that we would engage you with our heart. Help us jump into the story, however we can do that. And Lord, if we can become more like your son this week, Jesus, if we can become more like you this week, then amen, so be it. That's what we want. Help us, because we can't do it without your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.